Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of Tell Us a Good Story, the show that makes you laugh and warms your heart. We just have two criteria with guests telling stories. Number one, it's got to be good. And two, it's got to be clean. Today, we have a treat for you. We had the opportunity to speak with Dog the Bounty Hunter. And Steph, this brings back memories when we first got married. It was so much fun talking with him and just hearing some of the stories that we had not heard before. I could sit down, grab a cup of coffee, stuff. And just listen to him talk. I mean, just story after story. We barely had to ask any questions, right? It was amazing. But he was kind enough to tell us how I became a bounty hunter, where the craziest places that he's captured someone, and then you asked him. Yeah, how he got his name Dog. Which, that was not what I was expecting. So, friends, you will hear the answers to all these questions today on... Tosca Story. Steph, are you ready for this next guest? I can't believe this is happening. This is going to be great. This is, it brings me back to when we first got married. It does. It does. So friends, our next guest is probably the world's most famous bounty hunter. He has reportedly captured over 10,000 criminals during his career, with a lot of those getting documented on reality TV. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome to Tell Us a Good Story, Dog the Bounty Hunter. Oh, thank you very much. Hello, oh, dog. This is amazing. Yes, thank you for saying yes. Then. Let me make a correction, though. It's eighty-five hundred, not ten thousand. It's okay. Ten before I get to heaven, but it's eighty-five hundred <laughs> right now. Still impressive. That's still impressed. Impressed. very impressive. So, where are you guys at? What state? Columbus, Ohio. Oh, I'm sorry. No, <laughs> <laughs> no it gets what? so cold there. They have. Peter's at the bus stop. I'm like, wow. That's true. Have, have you ever been here, dog? Yeah, I've arrested. A, a one day, the last time I was there, I arrested a Michael Jackson impersonator had a war. And that, really? night, that night on the radio, it got so a bunch of uh, dogs died, a bunch of, you know, people's pets that they had left outside because your weatherman wasn't that good back then. <laughs> and everyone was so sad because all their puppies died and stuff. And this guy looked like, acted like Michael Jackson. When I booked him in, they're like, I don't think we can do this. I'm like, that's not Michael Jackson, you guys. (laughs) So, yeah, I've been there a few times. I I really like it. Oh, that's fun. That's awesome. With that being said, dog, when when I think of you, I envision someone who has probably already caught three criminals this morning before breakfast, right? (laughs) But in reality, how often do you actually go out and track someone down, dog? Well, nowadays, probably a one a month because we're kind of slow. We're The COVID is stopping any kind of any work that I do, law enforcement, all that. So right now, until they, you know, open up the states, it's really, really slow. It's it's a perfect time for fugitives to go around and, and do their thing. So <clears throat> sexual assault on a child, or really high bonds, beating up a woman, stuff like that. We're after like two to funk it. But uh, right now, it's our business is really, really slow. Do the courts. The courts, we tried to put a guy in jail the other day in uh, Anaheim, California. They wouldn't accept him. So they're just, yeah, it's not. Uh, the, the COVID is running rampant in the county jails. 
okay. and the prisons. So that's their excuse. But, you know, they want to take the mask away. Of course, the Lion News says, you know, they're the it's running rampant or there's more reports there. And the flu is almost gone. Yeah, because the people that do have the flu, they're blaming it on COVID. We so, were just having that conversation the other day, dog. I think Sunday, that same exact, no, same exact exactly. assumption. Yeah. I would love to keep talking about this because Kevin gets annoyed with me because all I want to do is talk about this. We <laughs> apparently are in sync with each other because I believe everything you're saying. Um, yes. But I want to know, how did you become a bounty hunter? Okay, so the true story. I wrote a book called years and years ago called You Can Run But You Can't Hide. Yes. So I was in prison in Texas in the 70s and I elevated myself or God elevated me to become warden's barber and the warden's barber, you don't beat him up. He was protected because on visiting day, now I'm not saying it's like that today, but back then on visiting day, all the girls would come see their husbands and the warden was like a handsome guy, right? So me being able to do his hair no one could touch me. No one would, would try to hurt me or anything. So God gave me that job. So my barbershop was located uh, 30, 40 yards from the front gate in prison in Texas. So anyway, one day across the street from the barbershop in prison was a, a place called The Hole. It was a separate building and it was a four by four foot cell and you were thrown in there naked. And there was a hole in the middle of the floor where you use a bathroom and the floor was painted with sand. So it was for like real extreme punishment. You got thrown in the hole. Uh. And uh, it's kind of like uh, if you ever saw the movie Cool Hand Luke, it was almost based by on the prison I spent time in. So I uh, became inmate counselor. The warden made me uh, warden's barber. And then he said, man, the way you talk to these guys you're really good. So if someone died, the mother or father or a relative, they'd throw them in the hole because when someone dies in prison, you're going to the, you're going to the funeral. You don't care what happens. You're going. Right. So when they threw them in the hole, I would be called and I'd have to go talk to them and say, you know, whatever it was I could say to, to help them get through it. So one day, one of my friends, we called him Bigfoot, big, big, tall kid was I seen him marching him out to the hole. It's like, it's called the goon squad, but it's like what we call today SWAT. Okay. And two guards on each side of him, they get him, you take up all your clothes and you go into the hole. So just as he started, you go in the hole before you take your clothes off. And just as they put him in, I'm like, what are they taking Bigfoot to the hole for? He's such a nice guy. And, and uh, Ronnie, my shoeshine guy said, oh, his auntie just died. And I'm like, oh, no, he loved his auntie, right? And so all of a sudden, as I'm looking, I saw Boss Espinosa come flying out backwards and hit the ground. And then I saw another boss come flying out. And the next thing I saw, here come Bigfoot, cracked like a chick coming out of an egg. So out of the hole came Bigfoot running full blast. And I looked and I saw the guard towers. You know, we had guard towers around Huntsville. I could hear him cocking the 30-30 rifles. Oh. So I thought, you know, I kind of visioned that, oh, man, this guy's not going to miss. He's going to shoot Bigfoot right in the back of the head, right? So out of uh, saving Bigfoot's life, all of a sudden, 
I caught myself running out of the, the barber shop and I'm running down the road and he couldn't run that fast. And back in those days, I was, I could run like a lightning. And so I got to him and I tackled him. Okay. He was six, six or six, seven. So that's all I could do was grab the back of his legs. And as he went down on the ground, I didn't know, I didn't know, but a Lieutenant was right behind me running too. And he went down and this Lieutenant said to me, he threw down the handcuffs in the dust. And I remember hitting in a big dust clock come up. And he said these words, hook him up bounty hunter. And I went, Oh, Lieutenant, I can't hook him up. And he's like, okay. And he cuffed Bigfoot. Right. So that night, uh, I was, the warden was my friend, right? So the warden heard that I ran this guy down. So he brought me to his office and he said, we're going to have to transfer you. I said, why? And he's like, well, the Muslims, you know, there's the back then there was a function of Muslims, black guys that helped run half the prison. And they said, they're going to kill you because you ran a black guy down. I said, oh, warden, don't worry. I can hang. It's going to be okay. So he said, well, let me tell you this. If you make it through the night, I'll let you stay. But I don't think so. Really? And so I went back to population. We're in a big day room, uh, you know, probably a thousand men. And the Muslims came and sat by me, one of the head leaders, and said, you know, how come you ran this black guy down? And the shoeshine guy I talked about worked with me. Ronnie Coleman was black. So Ronnie was sitting right next to me and he looked up and he said, he didn't run no black man down and I'm not letting him kill Bigfoot or I'll die with him. So I told that to the Muslim leader. I said, I don't care what color he is. I'm half Apache. Uh, That's my friend. I said, they're going to kill my friend. So the rest of the day, the rest of the evening, we all, you know, sit there, play dominoes and watch television. And in the morning, I got called out early in the morning, warden's barber, they yell, and my cell door opens, right? So that morning they yelled, warden's barber, and my cell door opened. And uh, there were packs of coffee, a couple packs of cigarettes, vanilla envelopes, white envelopes, one pencil already sharpened, six or seven stamps, and I collected them all up, right? And I was like, whoa. And so they go, uh, uh, warden's barber in the hall. The warden wants to see you. And so I went down there and the warden said, so do you see in front of your cell this morning? Because the guards walk up and down the tiers and the guards saw that. And I go, yeah. He said, well, they don't give you a love offering. <laughs> I, said, <laughs> he, I said, yeah. He said, let me tell you something, dog Chapman, your bread is a butter. And he goes, uh, you going to make it. And all of a sudden, I became Dog the Bounty Hunter. Wow. So I started looking up bounty hunting, right? And I saw that it was a law that was signed by Abraham Lincoln. And that I studied, studied, studied. And that law had never been repealed or turned over. And then I started looking and I thought, whoa, I could do this right here. Because when I got, when I, I'd see guys in prison being arrested 
uh, for things and I'd see how the cops treated them. And I thought, man, that ain't right. You're already going to jail. You know, if, if you're like, officer, can I have a cigarette? I'm sorry. No. And I thought, you know what? You you guys, that's why you kill everybody because you can't fight. You're a bunch of sissies anyway. And I have not all of them, but some of them still today. And so I thought, boy, if I could get that badge and I could have that authority and show people and talk to them, I said, that what a job that is for me. So I was released early because I didn't do what I was convicted of. The warden let me go only after 18 months. And I was sentenced to five years and a day every no good time. And 18 months later, they threw me out of there. So I went to the post office and I got the top 10 most wanted by the FBI. And then I went to a police supply store and ordered me a badge. And the cop, when I was ordering the badge, I assume he was a police officer. And he goes, what department are you with? And I said, I'm a bounty hunter. And he goes, oh, okay. (laughs) And he said, what's your badge number? And the only number I could think of off the top of my head was 271097. He goes, okay, we'll put that on the badge. That's my prison number. And really? so I sat outside for about three days to I live with my mommy when I first got out. And I sat by the, the mailbox waiting for it to come, that badge, right? I got the badge, took the 10 warrants. I caught the first guy, took him to Stout Street in Denver. And I, okay. I took a safety pin and pinned his warrant on his shirt. And I cuffed him. I got a pair of handcuffs at the police supply store. And I walked into the feds and I go, hi, I'm Dog the Bounty Hunter. And obviously that's, you know, who? And they're like, what? (laughs) And I'm like, yeah, the warrant says 10 grand. And they asked him, they said, are you so-and-so? And And he goes, yeah. And I go, well, look, there's his picture. they, they, (laughs) They called a supervisor and they said, uh, wow, who are you? And I said, I'm Dog the Bounty Hunter. And the supervisor said, okay. I said, well, can I get some a reward? And he said, well, I have to go, you know, above our head, blah, blah, blah. Can you come back tomorrow? Because it's like 3, 30, 4 o'clock. And, of course, they don't work on weekends or past 5. And so I said, yeah, I'm going to bring my mom. And they're like, fine. So my mom called them and set up the $10,000 reward. And I went back in there and they gave me 10 grand in a check. Be sure you report oh. this on your taxes, they said. And my mom said, son, you found yourself a Libic. And that was 1979. All right, Steph, I've got a question for you. What's your favorite book of all time? Uh, obviously, you met her where? Oh, I thought you were going to say the Bible. Oh, oops. <laughs> oh. What's your second favorite book of all time? You met her where? <laughs> A distant second. <laughs> totally distant. It's a pretty good book. Sorry, God. It's still a pretty, pretty good book. But we're so excited. Where can people get our book, honey? Okay, I know this. Uh, Amazon.com. Yes. Barnes & Noble. Yes, and? And our website, KevinAndSteph.com. And, and what happens if they buy it off our website? <gasps> what do they get? Uh, an autograph from us. Yes. Who wouldn't want that? So, listeners, if you've already read the book, thank you so much. We've had such good feedback. One thing that helps us, if you can give us a review on Amazon.com, we would greatly appreciate it. Thank you so much, and thank you for listening.
So when we did a few shows in the 90s about the secret world of bounty hunters and then the this and the that, and uh, uh, some networks came to my manager and said, you know, we want to do shows with him. And my manager said, well, he prays before every hunt. He gets his kids together. It's like a blessing to me. My kids are there. I don't want him shot or dead, and I want to catch this guy. So they said, uh, my manager said, you know, he prays like normal Christians in Jesus' name. And a lot of networks said, well, he can he can say amen, but can he leave the Jesus out? And then A&E, for a little bitty time, a little bit of money, said, we don't care if he says in the name of Buddha. We don't care what he says. We want him. And so I was sitting with Beth in the parking lot one night when the message came over. And I said, Beth, you know, I got to get naked in front of God. And I'm not going to have God say, yeah, you took the big money and left my son out of it. Mm -hmm. I said, I'm calling the manager right now and tell him, when do we start? And we started shooting. And all of a sudden, that show exploded. I had no idea. I had no idea about Hollywood ratings. All I knew is that I wanted to be on TV because I wanted people to love me. And I love to hear, dog, I love you. Love you too, bro. I love that. That's why I live, is to hear those words. And to, when dog speaks, people listen. I just had that. My friend the other day was, Red, was interviewed by a local newspaper in Colorado. And they said, you're probably the longest friend dogs ever had. What has stardom and fame changed him? And he goes, let me tell you something. When we were seven years old, we hung together. He said, he's been a legend in his own mind since then. <laughs> he said, he hasn't, and nothing's changed. Nothing's changed a bit. <laughs> so, uh, so here we go. That's, that's how the dog started. So when the show took off, right? Now, granted, Steph and I, this was one of the shows that we watched. We just got married. We had just oh. got married in 2004. And so I remember, you know, my wife yelling at the TV, get him, dog, get him, dog. <laughs> and you. then I would be telling, I would be telling our friends, like, you're not going to believe dog just found this dude inside <laughs> of a tree. Right. And so we were just going crazy about this, this incredible show. But was there a moment for you and your family dog when this became a hit on A&E that you're like, okay, our lives are completely different now where you can't go out in public without getting hounded for a, a picture or autograph. Did you have any moment like, okay, this is completely different now, our world? Well, we were stuck in Hawaii, you know, and through season one, two, my manager then came to me and no, my old lawyer, Lesse Bell said, listen to me, the word dog anymore is not just a canine do you know what you've done? And I'm like, what? And we <laughs> traveled from Hawaii to Colorado and we got off the plane and we're, it was at the Denver international airport and all these people's dog gets dog screaming my name. And I'm like, I just was like, right on. I just, you know, <laughs> they must've watched the show. You know, I didn't really get astonished by, Oh my God, I'm famous now. Because I always yeah. thought I really was. I always comb my hair anywhere I went, just in case somebody wanted to picture. And I tell my Francie now, 
she sees that because, you know, I, because no matter if you go in the laundromat, you better be ready to do a picture. Right. And then if it's bad, <laughs> of course, everybody like, Oh, look at dogs got a black eye. So I, uh, I kind of not, I don't want to sound so conceited that I assumed it, but I expected it. I really did. I, you know, as a little boy on the reservation, the Navajos, I'm Apache, but the Navajo girls would dance around me, the elder elders, and they go, this is him. This is the guy. Someday you will, I'm going to tell you this story real quick, and I'm crying. Uh, uh, they said, the older lady, elderly lady, the Navajo said, someday he shall meet millions. And I thought, was she drunk? Millions, I'll lead like the Pied Piper. What does she mean? And Last year, my Facebook hit 1 billion followers. Wow. And this is what I'm nine. She says this. And I'm like, oh, dear Lord. You know, we didn't have Facebook or internet then. And right. when it hit a million, I said, thank you, Jesus. Because that's what it meant. And I so I never did not expect it. I didn't expect a million. You know what I mean? But I expected that. I wanted that. I wanted to be loved and ask dog and, you know, let me make it a Christian decision about this. And let me be the one to tell you, because what they're telling you is caca. Let me tell you the straight up real. And I finally got that where, you know, people will call me and ask me things to do with law enforcement, or I'm going to, I'm ready to enter a bill called take the lead out. I want to stop these cops killing people accidentally and or on purpose. We're going to change that lead to wood or rubber. I've arrested over 8,000 and shot 2,000 and never used a real gun. And every one of them's alive. So we're done slaughtering people. You don't got to, you don't got to kill them to stop them. I got a pepper ball gun that will, that feels like a Mike Tyson right hook. I it's fully auto. The guy's on the ground screaming, dog, you've killed me. You ain't dead. <laughs> no, so there's uh, you know how they shoot an elephant that is case from the zoo, they prank yeah. him or a rhino. Yep. What are we doing killing people like this? Because what can they say? You know, dogs arrested all these people. We see him do it on TV. There he goes, he's shooting another one with a taser. I've had guys come at me with machetes, guns, knives, fire sticks. I never killed one. That was one thing that made Steph and I nervous because mm -hmm. I remember watching the show and I'm like, why is he taking pepper spray to a gunfight here? Right. Like it always made us nervous, but yeah, you're right. You, you never had a gun on you. It was always like pepper spray or pepper bullets, whatever. Mm -hmm. Well, and That's the pepper true. spray, the, the branch Davidian, when it was burned in Waco, it allegedly caught on fire because the pepper spray was flamboyant. And one uh, okay. day I get my Fed friend call me, he goes, oh, my God, dog. You're giving all those guys a cigarette in the back of the car. And I'm like, yeah. Oh, my God. We just found out the mace is, flam is flammable. Oh, my God, I said. He goes, we got to do something else. So we've got this new mace, he said, that doesn't burn. We're sending you some. And so, but in the beginning, that's all we, there was it, uh, there was a, a taser but it didn't come out with prongs. It zapped you. And there, you know, there wasn't anything to use. The feds gave me all these, uh, a ball with the rope on it, another ball. I missed everybody every time. 
I had I had a, a cap gun and I ordered extra loud caps out of the comic books. And, you know, I pretend like I had a gun. Freeze off. They didn't know. And then, uh, so I went from comic book ammunition to now the pepper ball, which is I you do. I'm going through a door on uh, Dogs Most Wanted and the guys in there with the gun and we're me and Leland and the rest of the boys. And uh, we're like, okay, let's go. And I go, let's say a prayer. We're going through this door. And as I go through, Leland misfires and hits me in the back of the leg with a Oh, no. And I think, okay, that's the guys shot me with a shotgun. And I went down. I went down, and I thought, the next one is Leland. Leland's going to be able to shoot him. And then I heard my son go, oh, Dad, I'm so sorry. Oh, my God, it hurt so bad for a month. And it just friendly fire. Oh, yeah. And so just being shot in the leg, I'm like, oh, dear Lord, this thing hurts so bad. And it stops them. You don't got to kill them. So, uh, yeah, we graduated from Mace to now those. Oh, Oh, I want to know the craziest way you caught somebody because a couple of them stand out one was the guy in the tree and then another one i remember we're like where is he and you were looking and leland was looking i think your daughter might have been with you and he was like covered up in like leaves and grass and you could barely see him you're like there he is and kevin and i like Like, where did he find where is he we couldn't even see him so what was the craziest catch you've ever had well there's so many you know there's so many that uh, like a twin. And I, on my application, it says, are you a twin? Like a defendant gets out of jail. They have to fill this uh, out. Okay. So one of the craziest is they had the exact same tattoos and identical twins. And so when okay. I went in, it was the good twin, not the bad twin. And I had a warrant for the bad twin. And, you know, I had to ask him a couple questions and I go, well, I know you love your brother, and I know you're not him, but you love him so much that you're coming. And he goes, oh, no, I don't love him that much. He's in the, really? he goes, He's in the bathroom in the bathtub. I don't love him that much. But there's so many. One of the ones was we, we – now, what A&E and all these networks wanted to show always is the one that got away. They had okay. that title ready. And you get so much money for three or four days to do a show. If you okay. go beyond the budget, they don't extend it. They're like, go to the okay. next one. That's going to be the one that got away. And I told them, well, you ain't ever getting that. You got it. And so <laughs> one day we had one day left. And we always say a prayer. And I said this prayer, Lord, in Jesus' name comes Thursday night. You're going to look a little foolish. If I don't catch this guy, because I'm giving it all to you and you're going to show me where he's at. Because if you don't, you're going to lose a lot of followers in Jesus name. Amen. And everybody's like, oh, my God, you're blaspheming God. I go, no, I'm not. I'm teasing him. And the tr- this is the show. They showed the whole show. We're stopped at the red light and in the crosswalk. The guy starts walking across and looks me straight in the eye. And, of course, I'm out of that truck and on the ground, blah, 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 right? So, I mean, there's just there's just so many uh, uh, 
different things that God has done. And, you know, like I'll say, uh, Dogs Most Wanted, the last show we did, turn right, turn left, go right, go straight, leave it. Go, turn left right here, go left. Oh, my God, Beth said, there he is. So I just go by the God's spirit leading me because I said, now you're the one God gave me this morning. You told me everybody you meet and no matter where they're at, a fan, a wanted party or a friend, you're going to send to me. And no matter what you gave me this warrant, you want me to talk to this guy. I've done everything humanly possible. I need some super on my natural Lord finding Every single time we found them. Oh. And, and, you know, we've been at three separate networks, no, right. which is very lucky, right? A&E, uh, WGN, and Country Music TV, CMT. But we should have stayed longer at A&E. And Beth got in a beef with one of the, you know, A&E reps. So we were okay. cut, you know what I mean? So uh, they're... They still, the last, very last one, uh, WGN wanted the one that got away. I said, you ain't getting it. But they <laughs> they did give me nine days for that guy. They did go over the budget. And I kept telling them, listen, I'm telling you right now, I'm going to catch him. And he was a leader oh. here in Colorado, in Pueblo, Colorado, a gangbang leader. So everybody wouldn't tell us where he was. And on the ninth day, we caught him. So thank God we caught him oh. all. Dog, I, I cannot imagine how exhausted you would be after these hunts in the adrenaline rush. The mental. The mental yes. exhaustion. Like, I would sleep for 48 hours or something after you finally get this catch. Like, I can't imagine the adrenaline of finally catching one of these fugitives. That's, that's incredible. Well, there's a lot, but there's the next one. You go to sleep, yay, celebrate in your mind. And, you know, I don't like the high fives and all that because it's someone's life. I mean, we, when the camera goes off, we go, yeah, right on. Then each one of us, <laughs> each one of us take the credit for, we wouldn't have found them if this and that. But then the next yeah. morning you wake up, boom, they hand you another one. So it's, it's just, uh, I don't know how to explain it. Like a golfer, when he hits a hole in one, he's got to go to the next hole. Doesn't yeah. matter. That's in the past. So you're, it doesn't matter how great the bounty was you caught, there's another one that could be greater. So I think that that uh, is what keeps us all going all the time. Wow. I would love just one last question. Where did you get your name, Dog? I was a motorcycle outlaw in, uh, I was 15, and I had fake IDs that, you know, I used a printer to make stuff. There wasn't, there wasn't internet now i can make anything high school education covid pass what you like but, uh, <laughs> yeah but uh i had a fake id so when i joined the devil's disciples like we'd be riding down the road and at 14 i'd get a driver's license right so i had a chopper and that the not that they do this now because i still have some friends and disciples and as we're driving and start raining, they'd flip the bird to God. And I'd be like, oh, I'd slow down and go right at the back of the pack. And my president, Houdat, in Phoenix, Arizona, said, why did you back off? I go, oh, man, God's going to strike you dead. I ain't flipping no bird to God. Are you guys nuts? I ain't even riding next to you. He'd laugh. And I was an outlaw. So we had John the Baptist, 
who ran all the time into water. He'd run, he'd drive his bike in the rain, wouldn't care. So they called him that. Then we had okay. a guy called the preacher, right? Because he was a nut and he, you know, he was just a nut. He wasn't a real preacher, but he acted like it. <laughs> and then, then my president said, you know what? You're very loyal. Because I became the sergeant of arms. I started the fights. And we okay. said, you're, you know, back then, the most loyal thing to you was your dog, right? So he said, you're very, very loyal. And you always talk about God. He said, we're going to call you dog, which is God spelled backwards. And he said, plus your loyalty. And he goes, right now, I know how old you are, puppy. But I saw you get pulled over and you gave that cop that ID. But I want you to know, dog, I know you're 16 years old. So I kept that name too. And, uh, you know, probably on my tombstone, it'll be Dwayne dog chapman so wow since 16 that is awesome amazing well we want to be respectful of your time dog listeners for more information about dog you can go to his instagram at Dwayne dog chapman or his facebook at official dog the bounty hunter well dog you are phenomenal i love these stories this was amazing this was amazing thank you so much for saying yes thank you aloha god bless see you again i hope thank you very much friends we want to encourage you to please follow us wherever you listen to this whether it's on the apple podcast app iHeartRadio, spotify or one of the other platforms. It's completely free, you guys. This helps us out big time with the folks who track this stuff. If you haven't already, we want to encourage you to please rate or even write us a review on Apple Podcast. We need as many as we possibly can, even if it's just one sentence. Thank you for listening, you guys, and sharing us with your friends. 